Hey there, stranger. You're listening to I Think I'm Mentally Unstable, the podcast all about growing up and fucking up, making mistakes and owning them, even if it makes you feel a little bit mentally unstable. This podcast contains 100% oversharing content, so sit back, relax and grab a cuppa while we spill the tea. Hello, I am with Ilsa Jones. She is one of my bestest friends. We met at university and she is a creative virtual assistant. You're listening to I Think I'm Mentally Unstable and Ilsa's had an interesting background of her own. Today's topic is adult friendships. I'm not going to give this girl much more of an introduction other than the fact that she is freaking fantabulous and you are going to learn so much from this wise woman. Ilsa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. It's weird because we talk quite a lot but you're based in Bournemouth and I'm in London and I just find that strange because our friendship is probably one of the closest. Yeah, I think we've done a really good job of keeping that communication open because I am a terrible texter, but I think because we both work from home, we're like our work besties because we work for ourselves, we're both um, freelancers, Mm -hmm. so it means that we need somebody to rant to and I think we've become that for each other. Oh, 100%. So on the podcast, we like to start with a win and a woe of the week. So Mm -hmm. let's start with your win. Okay, um, my win is that I signed a really big client Mm. at the end of last week. Mm. Um, And it's nice, steady work rather than just a few hours here and there. It is 15 to 20 hours a week, which gives me a bit more of a structure because I've been lacking that in my life. Mm. And my woe is that I had my wisdom tooth removed. And it uh, made, well, actually, the the fact that my wisdom tooth was removed didn't wipe me out. For some reason, my body was like, nope, didn't like that. I'm going to wipe you out with a bad cold instead, uh, was the situation. So I ended up being bedridden for two days after I had it removed. I I wasn't even in pain from the removal. I was just apparently really poorly. Oh, that is the worst. Who's the client? Um, she is a lady who was on the Great British Bake Off, <gasps> and Stop she, um, yeah, it's really cool. What? Um, she was on Bake Off, and she's become a bit of a um cooking personality. <gasps> and it's my job to get all her recipes on her website, and then help her out with some social media bits as well. <gasps> That's iconic. No, I know it's very exciting. Are you buzzed? I am a bit buzzed, yeah. She's really, really lovely as well. So it's nice to have somebody who's just down to earth. Oh, she's living the life. That is such a cool yeah. win. I'm proud. Mm, I'm proud of you. That's really cool. Yeah. Thanks. I'm proud of me Look too. you. Because you only started this journey, what, four-ish months ago? Um, No, three months oh. ago. So it was November. Um, So, yeah, November. Yeah, that is three months, just about. Yeah. And it's been a whirlwind. Oh, it has been crazy. I did not expect this at all, but I've had the most amazing support from you. (laughs) And um, actually my family has been pretty supportive and my boyfriend as well. So it's been, it's been interesting. Mm. I wouldn't say it's not without its woes, but 
generally it's been it's been interesting yeah that's true there is an element of overwhelm in the adrenaline Mm. I think what are your wins and woes for the week my win is that I've booked a very spontaneous trip which is so exciting so for those who don't know I'm going to Thailand and Bali for two months and the impulsivity in me decided that it'd be a great idea to book this for Thursday um so that's nine days away now (laughs) chaos I revel in it um but I haven't done that much research all I knew is that a mutual friend was going and I thought fuck it I'll get a plane as well I'll meet her out there it's a bit safer than going by myself and at least I had that accountability and I had this you know this drive to do it Mm -hmm. now the woe element of that is I haven't had the chance to book accommodation visas vaccines um which brings me on to the woe which is that everything is very overwhelming and (laughs) (laughs) I tried to book well I managed to book my vaccines yesterday and this doctor oh my god he's hilarious like he saw my paperwork and said you're going wait sorry you're going next week and I went um yeah yeah on the third he was like right okay um well we're gonna need to get a rapid course of all of these vaccines he was like you definitely need this you definitely need this like check it checking every single vaccine under the sun and I was like um so just how much is this gonna cost me (laughs) like just looking at like everything racking up um and he like stabbed my arms today oh my gosh I'm literally like I'm rigid I feel like a statue um and yeah that cost me 265 pounds my impulsivity has a cost and I'm paying it (laughs) Uh, yeah but at the same time you're going to Bali and you're going to Thailand so it's going to be once in a lifetime opportunity and I think it's worth it exactly and they last for a year so I could go back at like the end of the year if I wanted to yeah I have the time and the money We'll see what happens. Yes, and the inclination. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, that's my win and woe. All very exciting. Um, Absolutely. Try and plan everything before I go. But you're also going on a trip, aren't you? Yes, I am going on a trip. We're leaving in March. Um, I'm going with my boyfriend. And we are going on a similar trip, but maybe a little bit bigger. Um, we're starting in Japan and then working our way down through Southeast Asia mm. onto Australia and New Zealand. It's going to be about a six to eight month trip, I think. Oh maybe a bit longer. Maybe we won't come back. I'm not really sure what the uh, end state of it will be, but we will see. That is such a cliffhanger. Maybe we won't come back. Don't uh, maybe we won't come back. Don't leave me, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We might hate it. I mean, I've. Um, I've been to most of the countries we're going to before, luckily. So, I mean, I guess that's a good way of getting into the next stage of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I grew up in Japan, um, but I also grew up in Hong Kong, Brooklyn, Singapore, and the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had a bit of an interesting upbringing. And um, whilst you're in Asia, it's a lot like travelling around Europe when you're in the UK because um, everything is so close so it's a lot cheaper and so it's a lot easier to get to these countries so I've actually been lucky enough to go to Bali five times and um, this summer will be my sixth 
But that's like me saying, if I was living in the UK, that's like me saying I've been to Italy five times. Mm. But in all of this moving around, um, it was definitely difficult to make friends. And I ended up going to 10 different schools. So I kind of learned a weird and wacky way to make friends. Or at least non a non-standard way to make friends, which was that you have to put in a lot more effort than you think. Because, um, in fact, actually, when I was making less effort, I didn't end up making friends because I saw them every day at school. I saw them at clubs. Um, our friends, our parents were friends. So it meant that everything was really easy. And then you didn't make any effort to see each other outside of school. And um, I also had a detached nature of things because I knew that I was going to leave. Mm-hmm. So it made it interesting. How did that affect you building strong relationships? Because you touched on the fact that you were maybe a bit more reserved, I guess, not all in. Yeah, making strong relationships was difficult, um, especially at relationships that were at school. So that's mm. that was my point. I didn't make it very clearly. But the point was... I didn't end up making friends when I was at school because I knew that it was temporary. Whereas if I made friends outside of school, then I knew that I could transfer those to whatever school I went to afterwards or even whatever country I went to afterwards as well. Mm. Um, And those ended up being the strongest relationships. So um, my best friend, Anna, we made friends when we were at the British school in Tokyo when we were eight years old. And I only stayed at that school for another year before I then moved to a Japanese school. And we weren't actually friends when I was at BST. We ended up becoming friends when I'd left the school and I made an active um, decision to call her and arrange a play date and stuff like that. That's so cute and wholesome. Interesting how that's happened with us as well. I yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the same thing happened with us. We weren't like massive friends at uni. Mm-hmm. We were we were friends, but we weren't particularly close. And we had that really fun conversation at The Hobbit in Southampton. Big up, Sutton. <laughs> and I think from that point, we knew that we liked each other, but we just didn't make any effort to see each other because our friendship groups were kind of separate they hated you I don't know where you got that idea from (laughs) oh fine yeah fair enough I I hate me too (laughs) (laughs) friendship groups were separate that's that and then afterwards they sort of combined and going back to when you arranged to meet up with Anna talk to me about that commitment because that takes a certain level of them mm-hmm. to do and a lot of friendships as you were saying in school they are low commitment because you're seeing people every day mm-hmm. you maybe study with them you're sitting next to them in a class chill with them at lunchtime there's a lot of exposure to that friendship um and then when you move away I feel as though they tend to be more for convenience that's mm-hmm. just my experience with them I don't speak to a lot of people from school and the only mm-hmm. reason I have is because they are like local yeah um it came out of necessity really like desperation (laughs) desperation if I didn't make the effort I would have no friends so (laughs) it's a sad reality of the situation but um 
yeah, because I went to a Japanese school, I was one of the only English speaking students there. Mm-hmm. And um, the students weren't particularly, the Japanese students weren't particularly kind um, until they got to know me. So the initial sort of immersion was difficult. Mm. Why weren't they kind? Um, so I think in my experience, the Japanese have a tendency to be xenophobic or or um just more reserved and a bit fearful of difference Mm. and children are nasty anyway so (laughs) it was a combination of fearing the other and also just being children that uh, resulted in bullying and um just general difficulty so out of the necessity to have friendships I put in the effort to see Anna and how old was you then uh I think I must have been nine or ten years old oh so young I know such a baby um and I would actively call her family home number and I would say hello this is Ilsa Jones and her mum used to make a a joke because she'd be like yes I know (laughs) You're the only <laughs> because I'm the only person that calls, and I'd be like, "Hello," and I would always say Ilsa Jones. I wouldn't just say this is Ilsa. I would always be like, "This is Ilsa Jones," because I was a shy little nine or ten year old. Mm. Can I speak to Anna, please? And we would then arrange a play date, and I would go to hers, or she would come to mine, um, and then so my parents would um, pay. So in Japan, it's really really safe to go around as a kid. So my parents would just give me some money for a taxi and I would basically go across Tokyo, which is probably like a 20 minute taxi ride um, as a nine year old. And I would get dropped off where she lived. She lived in the British embassy and I would get to the gate and they'd have to let me in and everything like because it was all security um, based. That's insane. I know. <laughs> I don't think my mum let me out until I was 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> But in Japan, it's really common for children to go around um, like just like adults and be free and go. It's really safe. Wow. Yes. Such a bold move for a kid. Yeah. Must have taught you like a lot of independence and faith in yourself and your ability to form connections. The things we do just to have friends. Yeah, exactly. Um, The only trouble with all of that, I completely agree, it gave me a lot of independence and it gave me a a very different perspective. Um, The issue with that was then I became insecure in my other friendships as well, because it was always me putting in the effort, um, like, can we see each other? Whereas for them, they had friends at the school that weren't being mean to them Mm. not really friends they didn't have bullies they were they were seeing each other every day so it was a case of me on the outside always looking in and being like can I can I come can I join in it sounds like a real pity party but I really I really um don't I wouldn't have changed it for the world to be honest it's really taught me a lot see that's the thing the experiences that shape you you wouldn't change because you've learned mm. so much about yourself. And although it sounds like semi-traumatic, um, <laughs> especially when you're growing up, being bullied as a kid, traveling around, never feeling completely settled, not knowing where you yeah. are with friends, but yet you are one of the kindest souls I know. And I find that super interesting. Oh, 
Thank you for saying that. I think you're really sweet too. Stop and really it. kind and generous. Oh, this is just a fan party here. <laughs> so then I moved to the UK. Um, so when I was in Hong Kong and New York and stuff, I was I was kind of too young to like worry about that sort of thing. But then I moved to the UK when I was 12. And because I'd been in the Japanese school, I didn't learn any like British um, humour. I didn't know what sarcasm was. I didn't know what LOL meant or OMG. Like it was, I was a posh speaking English person that had no idea how to be England Oh my god, it's like you time travelled from the eighties or something. Exactly. Wow. It was it was like I'd been picked up from the eighties and dropped in twenty no, two thousand and seven it was it was. Oh wow. Um <laughs> topical because that's when Britney shaved her head, so Oh my god, that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Chaos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so was dropped in this very posh school because I didn't have any grammar or um punctuation education and my parents wanted me to go to the grammar school because they knew I was bright but I did I needed to like slow down a little bit and catch back up Mm. so I went to this really posh school um local to Bournemouth and um ended up getting bullied there because I was too English no stop it the irony the irony the absolute irony I sound like this and yet I was bullied for being other um but it was a posh school it was all like fee-paying school and everything so it was just because I was different so I pretty much cried every night for a good year and then my parents finally took me out and homeschooled me for a bit so that I could catch up uh on all the stuff that I needed to know for the grammar school and then once I was put in the grammar school everything was fine because I'd had a year and a half to catch up and um and get to the level I needed to be to get into the grammar school and also a year and a half to catch up on all of these like colloquialisms and pop culture and everything oh my gosh that's like studying yeah exactly I was there like ingesting CBBC and like anything that was what you would consider to be your childhood I was like playing catch up and I would watch the programs that my younger brothers would watch even though they were a bit young for me just so I could understand what was going on that's so much to miss out on like I think about every single childhood show that I watched which I basically grew up on and that shaped me like I refer to these shows so much like did you CBBC that was news round and the shiny yeah stuff yeah did you have so did you have Teletubbies and tweenies and things like that I didn't have tweenies. I did have a bit of the Teletubbies because that was international. Um, but I didn't have tweenies. And um, Postman Pat was new to me at 12 years old as well. And there was another thing. Um, Noddy. Noddy, again, brand new to me at 12 years old, which seems really unnatural now, like looking back. Um, so it was it was a different experience, I think, to the like the standard British upbringing Mm, for sure so you've been traveling up until you're 12 13 yeah move back to the UK give me a crash course and all things banter sarcasm and (laughs) pop culture and then what happened with the friendship vibe the French so that whole period of time about a year and a half I didn't really make any friends because I was like being bullied at this school and then I went homeschooled and everything 
And then when I got to the grammar school, I did end up making friends, but they were very much this situation of convenience where Mm. I saw them every day in class and I didn't end up staying friends with any of them. I don't have any friends from school. I have one friend, well, I did have one friend um, who I met at the school, the, the first school I came to in the UK, the one that bullied me out of there. I made a friend there and we stayed really close because again, I had to actively make an effort to see her all the time. Mm. Um, but I made a boyfriend at the boys' school. So I went to the girls' grammar school and there was a boys' grammar school and I had a boyfriend at the boys' school and that helped me make more friends mm-hmm. because that was then me socialising with both groups. It felt really unnatural to be at a, at a separate school as well because I'd been in mixed schools my whole life up until then. Oh, man. Um, but found it really funny because there were a few girls in my year who had never had a like any experience with boys. I mean, it helps I also have three brothers, but it just it was quite an interesting way to observe their behavior with the boys around as well, where I was I was kind of like getting involved with the guys as well. Obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> Going to a girl's school is just not the one. Oh, it's not the one at all. Horrible. It's not a vibe. Nope. Um <laughs> does not pass the vibe check um so I moved to a mixed school again afterwards which I think is where I met the majority of my clan at that time I yes would say. it's very very close very like connected but I also feel you on trying to adapt because mm. they'd spent the last 12 plus years getting to know each other so they all mm. knew each other and there was so much history there and then when I eventually stuck my toe in um I had to understand their humor their Mm. stories they would fill me in they would never exclude but there was this element of oh I never don't feel like I really belong here and I don't feel as though I'm very popular um and I had that thing I don't know about you I had this thing about wanting to be liked and that's probably why I'm such a people pleaser now but even from a young age I never wanted to annoy people avoided criticism, avoided any sort of conflict like the plague and that's probably why I tried to mold myself into what people wanted me to be in order to make friendships mm-hmm. and match quite quickly sometimes especially mm-hmm. if I find common ground I end up you know yeah Latin. attaching yeah. yeah and I I did the same thing whereas where I would see somebody I liked and wanted to be like or wanted to be friends with and I would make an active like beeline to that person yeah. and be like can we be friends like <laughs> being really forthright um but I ended up also being a bit of a teacher's pet because it was like a comfort zone for me mm. where I knew that if I had the teacher on side if anything happened then I could sort of like be protected in a way mm. But I but I also hear what you're saying about like always feeling like the new girl, even though you'd been there for years. Like the longest school I was at was out there for there I was there from year eight to year twelve. So that's six years. And um even then there was an element of feeling like the new girl because these girls had grown up together. Yeah, and it's so weird, isn't it? Because you know that they're not being bitchy or anything or not intentionally and you're just trying to connect and Mm. that's the weirdest thing about friendships you just don't want to be alone and I think that's why the pandemic just ruined so many of us I mean I feel as though we got 
really close over that time anyway and we've maintained that strength and that bond mm-hmm. but a lot of other people I found it I found that true colors were shown over the <laughs> pandemic yeah so going on to like adult friendships which was really the the main topic of conversation for this podcast the adult friendships have to be that effort that you put that I put in as a child Mm -hmm. because we have such big lives now like our world has expanded from just being at school we have uni friends we have work friends we have family friends we have this whole like network of people Mm -hmm. and it's really easy to just coast through and not settle on particular friendships or relationships because you know you've got this like clan in a way but if you do coast through then you end up with no one at the end so you do have to make an active choice to decide who your friends are so at uni I made an active decision to be Flora's friend because like I saw her I made a beeline for her and I was like we can be friends because that's what my childhood had taught me but then we didn't become really close until we had left uni Mm -hmm. and we had to make conscious choices to see each other Mm. and actually although we live me and you now live away from each other I I'm closer to you and I actually put more effort into our friendship than if we were still living in the same town so maybe me moving up to London would be a bad idea (laughs) honestly I think there's sometimes sometimes I wonder if our relationship is so reciprocal reciprocal yeah reciprocal oh you know when words just don't sound like words yeah reciprocal. (laughs) um not that my life involves being a writer and knowing words (laughs) um who would know yeah I think that's why I get on so well with people who are a bit further distance like even though I'm based in London I'm still 20 minutes outside of central so it's still an effort to go and see my friends who are based in London it's definitely more of an effort for us to see each other because mm-hmm. it's we're two hours apart but because we know it's reciprocal and because there isn't that pressure to be constantly checking in that's what attracts me more to friendship when I have had friends in the past who constantly message me I just feel like a mum and it pushes me away I feel as though my attachment style is very anxious avoidant so I won't commit my boundaries so if someone's constantly messaging me with their problems I'm just going to take that on like the empath that I am and by the end of it I'm wondering why I'm so depressed and it's just because I allow people to just constantly flood me with issues and the thing is I don't mind because I always say talking out is more important Mm. it's just that I don't know how to kind of protect my own energy in those situations Mm. so I'll never make other another person feel uncomfortable for sharing those things it's just that because a lot of the time we rely on technology to stay communicated because as you said we are busy adult mm. life is so much to juggle mm. you're, if you have a nine to five or whether you're self-employed it doesn't matter because you have shit to do yeah. and then you have to plan in advance when you're going to meet friends or when yeah. you're going to do something especially if you're dotted all over the country you have to intentionally make plans to mm-hmm. stay committed and you can easily tell who's not going to be doing that and like you said if you're the one that's always reaching out that becomes very boring very quickly mm-hmm. and what don't want to be that because it's like constant rejection exactly exactly and I think that's also um 
that whole experience and now like lockdown and everything has taught me very quickly not um to be quite impatient with people (laughs) now I don't know if this is a bad thing it might be impatience always sounds like a bad word but actually your energy is really important to you and like you're saying being an empath you will listen to somebody and then feel low afterwards because they've offloaded onto you but if that person isn't being isn't reciprocating that energy so isn't listening to your problems and then taking on your woes then you're going to be left with twice as much uh, pressure on your Mm -hmm. shoulders so as an adult now and post lockdown post covid with all of these things going on in the world you need to find those people who are going to lift you up there's a really good metaphor like some people are sinks and some people are uh, are radiators Uh, or drains some people are drains and some people are radiators the drains will take and take and take and will just it'll all go down the sink and all go down the drain and you won't feel anything off them it will they'll just take what they want whereas a radiator will not only take but then they will radiate positive energy outwards as well so they'll it's like there's a give and take there as well which I think is really important yeah 100% I think I read the same analogy but instead of the drain it was a vampire because they just <laughs> every living thing out of you which is just so relatable yeah um, and as you said over lockdown there was this level of I need to prioritize what is important to me mm-hmm. and although now we have this abundance of time I still want to use that effectively mm-hmm. I don't exactly. want to drain myself because a lot of that communication was online which was hard I found mm-hmm. um it's almost more exhausting to interact with somebody from a technology perspective because well firstly even now on zoom you're looking at your own reactions you're looking at the person's reactions you are um hyper aware of everything going on because it's on this tiny little box and you have to focus everything on there whereas when you're out and about with somebody on an actual physical date (laughs) um you you have all these distractions you have you can talk without worrying about how you're looking because there's no mirrors or reflections or anything and you can also feel that person's energy as well which which changes everything because you'll know if they're vibing off you that you'll know if they're enjoying the conversation because you can see their actual eye movements rather than these tiny specks on a screen and whereas if you're on a call you're like are you actually do you want to listen to me like you you feel insecure about the whole situation so it's completely more exhausting I resonate with that so much and I read way too much into texts Mm -hmm. even though I can be quite blunt sometimes and there's nothing behind it because you're just busy replying but I'll read into that text and think Mm -hmm. they hate me and I've immediately disqualified myself as being a friend and I'm like they don't want to be my friend they hate me I've been (laughs) on this spiral but it's so true when you have that same face-to-face human connection there's Mm -hmm. nothing that beats it I would much rather spend two hours meeting Mm -hmm. a friend than a phone call a phone call over a zoom oh my god still hate them so much because as you said distraction everywhere yeah and then yeah a zoom over texting but actually voice notes are my new favorite thing voice notes are good yeah, voice voice notes are good because it means that somebody can come to that message when they have the energy for it as well. But you can express your your voice tone and the feeling behind it is much clearer than in a text message as well. Exactly. And it's yeah. less faff. Talking about energy and drains mm. and vampires, we've had our fair share of 
friendship breakups, I feel. Yes, it's been interesting. It seems, so um, for all the listeners out there, we are both 26 years old and um, we're getting to the stage of life where 30 is closer than 20. And so it feels like there's... (laughs) Um, So it feels like there's this pressure to get your shit sorted. Mm. And turns out one of those pieces of the puzzle is your friendships you need to get your friendships sorted but as an adult it seems that you can't just drift gently away from people which you would have done in the past in fact I think it's still possible but for some reason the friends that we've had recently um had to make an active breakup with us in fact it was more painful than some of the breakups I've had so um do you want to elaborate on one of them Hmm, I think so. I feel like <laughs> we all need to just grab a cup of tea, grab your popcorn, hear, hear the story. So as we've grown up, like you said, friendships do dissolve sometimes. And that's okay because you're growing as people and you're evolving and you're not the same person you are today that you were five years ago when you met certain friends. And there are things that have happened in your life that change you that other people haven't accepted Mm -hmm. and there's no point you trying to change yourself for those kind of people you have to as cringy as it sounds love yourself yeah and as we've touched on there was elements of people pleasing in our previous friendships and as you get older I just don't have time for that no because my brain capacity isn't how can I make this person like me it's how can I make this friendship mutual how can I ensure that I'm showing them that I care and vice versa so when it comes to breaking up with friends usually you kind of drift apart and you might meet up at a random reunion 10 years later and that's all chill you might still follow each other on Instagram or socials so you can still see what they're up to and there's no animosity it's just like hey hope you're doing well some people on the other hand enjoy making you feel like a shit person and their narcissism reflects so deeply and so insecurely that they will attack you and decide to be a toxic friend and I'm not using that word lightly that was probably one of my most toxic friendships ever and it was very take 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 it made me question everything about myself I had to do some very deep child inner child healing and growth after that because that was traumatizing as you said Mm -hmm. I've not had very many relationships romantically but I would have taken any shitty breakup with a guy over that scenario where I was basically being shouted at for an hour on the phone about how crap I am yeah and um it's so funny because that's not the case at all you are not a crap human like I'm very particular with my friends as we discovered from this very um tangent call (laughs) Um, and it's so interesting that these people find it necessary to take you down with them. Mm. But I had a very similar situation with another friend. So we, it was really interesting because we had this both happen in parallel. Yeah. You had this breakup with this friend and I had exactly the same situation happening Mm. down in Bournemouth. And it was so strange that we, that they felt the need to, first criticize us Mm. for something that we hadn't done or in our eyes hadn't done 
And then secondly, because they felt shit about the situation, needed to make us feel shit about it mm-hmm. and took away the control. So took away the mutual aspect of a friendship where you discuss what's gone wrong and mm-hmm. you can possibly improve it. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're like, no, I'm stripping that all from you. You have no control over the situation and you can't, you don't have any say. You, you can't heal this. This is it. It's over. Mm-hmm. Even a breakup is better than that because even a breakup, you're like, you can explain the situation. Yeah. You communicate. Communicate. You sit there and you say, this is what's going wrong. This is what I think we need to fix. You don't just go into attack mode. Yeah. I'm like, basically going with your pitchfork and start jabbing my butthole. <laughs> I didn't ask for that. I didn't sign up for that shit. And also, I recognise that I'm not a perfect person. Absolutely. I'm sure we, there are none tra- of us are. Yeah. And I'm sure there are traits I have that are annoying um and I would work on that if someone flagged that up to me unless it's something that I can't change and is very deeply embedded but you know if you want to make a friendship last sometimes that takes an uncomfortable conversation of exactly this is something that I think is annoying me and I wonder Mm -hmm. whether we could talk it out Mm-hmm. But this person, I think, had already made up their minds, or in our, in both our cases, mm-hmm. they'd already made up their mind. They'd made up, yeah. And it was very much as though they just wanted to, but like, extinguish a fire, mm-hmm. as if it felt very definitive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And distinct. When you say extinguish a fire, it's almost extinguish the fire within us as well. Mm-hmm. They wanted us to be be crushed, which is horrible. That somebody else would want somebody else to be in pain. And um, the the really important thing I want to get across from this story, for both of our stories, is that it's okay if a friendship deteriorates. Like, it is sad, it is really sad, but it's okay. You c- You can be an adult and have that conversation and be like, look, we've drifted apart or you've changed, like, from who I knew you as, but give that person the time of day, like after all those years of being their friend, give Mm. them the time of day just to help them grow. Mm. Because I would have just really appreciated an explanation so that I could heal Mm. and I could, and maybe that's selfish of me, but to turn around and say, oh, the fact that you don't know what you did means that you don't deserve an explanation is childish. 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 And like, for my case, I was with that friend. I was that person's friend for since I was 12 years old. So I was, it was what, 12 years, 14 mm. years. It's such a stab 12, in the 12 heart. years at the time. Yeah, such a stab in the heart. It just felt like all of that effort that I would put in was completely wasted. And I had no idea. Like, it came completely out of the blue. Mm. And so what I really want to like pass on is that actually she did me a favor she she did me a favor because even though it was painful Mm. she had the guts to leave Mm. if it was a toxic situation and I didn't have to do the hard part yeah the only thing I have issue with is the lack of control because I'm a bit of a control freak so I had no say but she did me a favor by taking herself out of my life because I don't want to be friends with somebody who is going to be that childish Mm. and selfish oh absolute 100% facts and I feel as though you tried to reach out a few times to this Mm. particular friend didn't you and yes more for closure 
I, yeah. I think that's the hardest part when you break up with a friend and all those memories like let's not forget they were at the time there were elements where they helped you they supported you mm-hmm. I helped them I supported yeah. them uh-huh and that's all gone it's I, I come across photos I get memories on my photos they just pop yeah. up and I don't know what to do with them I'm like do I delete this picture do I yeah. keep it because it I was happy at that point with this person because as a in a in a um in a relationship breakup like a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever breakup um you would just delete the photos because it was like a temporary situation like well hopefully not always temporary but in that instance it was temporary and you just you don't want to think about it whereas actually these these memories are nostalgic these memories shaped you mm. 100%. And it's it's a painful experience and it's 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 truly sad. And I did and I did reach out once or twice only a few months after it happened. Mm. But but since then I've I've had dreams. See, yeah. I can't even get over it sometimes. The subconscious like re- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like my subconscious being like you should say something, but actually what is that serving? Is that serving me or is that serving her? Mm. If I was to reach out, would that be, is that really coming from a place of I want to be friends or is that coming from a place of I want you to know how well I'm doing without you? Yeah. Which is really, really toxic. And that's something that I'm having to learn and grow from, like, and really listen to myself. Like, do you really just want to be this person's friend or are you still upset about it so you want them to know that you're okay? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I completely agree and I resonate with that. That's why I blocked this person. Mm. I blocked them off all of my socials so they can't see me. I can't see them. Yeah. Like one, I don't want to. If a mutual friend yeah. pops up and from university or whatever, and she's in this photo, vice versa, whatever, cool, crack on, have a great life. I've drawn the line because mm. after everything that happened, I feel as though for me it's best to have fond memories but also the awareness that it didn't work out and that was fine Mm -hmm. I don't have as I said the energy to hate Mm -hmm. or to to hold a grudge so I don't know if this person ever reached out I don't know what I would do because I think the most definitive point for me was do you know what I would give this person a second chance Mm. until she wrote a blog about us and I've what are we children 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 and I was shocked also on Christmas Eve Mm, I know it's ridiculous get a grip what are you doing on Christmas Eve writing a blog about people and comparing them to mean girls what (laughs) unfathomable genuinely without fathom (laughs) just read this whole thing massive anxiety trigger because it just flares up it's been nearly a year yeah so it's been nearly a year get over it it was cowardly yeah 100 percent. what was the definitive moment for you when did um, you realize I'm just not going to try anymore I'm not going to apologize I'm not going to reach out and try and mend things it was the birthday afterwards so 
we'd had a um, disagreement a few years ago, like before any of this happened. So this is this situation now is two years ago, but because it was like in the middle of lockdown. But before that, a few years before that, we had a disagreement and we didn't talk for a while. But it wasn't a case of like, I can't talk to you. It was more that just we needed some space and we both just didn't message and didn't mm-hmm. see each other. And then I reached out on my birth on my birthday, no, on her birthday, because... Um, our birthdays are very close together so we were always sharing them so I reached out on her birthday and said happy birthday and like like that was a really easy way to mend because Mm. it was like a mutual um, event that we could both celebrate but the birthday after this breakup in inverted commas I decided that actually why did it have to be me this time because it was always me it was always me reaching out as it has been in the past it's always me putting in the effort I had was there at her beck and call throughout lockdown because um sadly her mum had cancer and um I was devastated by that because her mum was like a second mum to me and I was literally there at any moment she wanted to see me she would call me I would drop everything I was I was just starting out with my relationship with my boyfriend now and I would like stop dates with him just so I could be there for her Mm. and then she turns around and says that I'm uncompassionate and I just just like it's like I was so confused because I thought I was self-aware enough to know that I had issues and that I was not a perfect person but Mm. like my integrity and my compassion was something I really identified with to then for then my best friend tell me that she thought I was uncompassionate it just completely blew my identity out of the water like Mm -hmm. just blew it up in my head and I went through a complete crisis over it I don't want her to think (laughs) that she has this control over me that wasn't her issue that was my issue and I'm taking control of that so the fact that it came to my birthday and she hadn't messaged to mend it I was like you know what we're both as just as stubborn as each other this nothing is going to happen this is over that was so powerful I was nodding the entire time I think hearing you say no and just think I am strong in this decision you're not gonna break me and I think when it does come from a best friend there is something much more sinister about those comments because you share way more so much history you do with with boyfriends and most of the time your relationship with a boyfriend is healthy and you will talk about shit but there is also stuff that you can only talk about with friends doesn't matter what gender they are and when it comes when they use certain things against you that you've told them in confidence or you know even things insecurities you have and then they bring Mm -hmm. them up and they're like oh it's because you're this Mm -hmm. like saying you're uncompassionate when that's the one thing that you hold true to yourself you know that they're doing it to be vindictive and spiteful. I just, and I think that the worst part for me is that I have a very short fuse. Mm. So, and especially when it comes to questioning me and everything that I've tried not to be. And someone says, oh, you're selfish or something like that. Oh my God. I just want to like, oh, I could feel myself just wanting to like throttle them. Like, <laughs> I'm going to kill you and it's just so I just hate it because you know they're being spiteful you know they're trying to get evoke an emotion and I mm, 
triggered this. It is. And it's just, it's just childish. We go back to this point of being childish. We're 26 now. We should be old enough to respect people's boundaries and Mm -hmm. respect if they have insecurities that they need, that, that those are their insecurities to hold. And Mm -hmm. like, it is no right of you. You have no right, sorry, to use that against them. Yeah. And this happens at any age. Any age. Like, even though we are quote unquote adults, (laughs) what even is an adult um (laughs) friendships are different at this age because values change Mm -hmm. our priorities are changing Mm -hmm. people are getting married moving out traveling a lot of stuff is going on and like we said earlier you have to invest that time and commitment those to to hold those friendships strong Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter what age you are if you're in your early teens 20s 30s you're still going to go through these weird, tricky friendship breakups. Some of them which, like we said, just fizzle out naturally and there's no animosity. But also remember that that's not always something you can control. And although it's hard to admit that because you want to hold on to memories, you want to hold on to what you had and you're effectively living in the past, not Mm -hmm. the now. But if you reflected and thought, hmm, how much has this friend shown up for me in the last Mm -hmm. three months? And you kind of see a pattern and a trend Mm -hmm. because it's likely that the friends that you did hold dear at a certain point aren't really the same level of friend now. And that's fine because it happens. It does. You have to move on. You do. You do just have to move on. And I think, like I said before, if they've made that step, there's nothing you can do about it but know that they've actually made the hard step and done you a favour by showing their true colours. Yeah. Like, they've shown their true colours, they've shown what they want. You don't, you can't do anything about that now. Exactly. They've saved you time and heartache in the long run by yeah. ripping off the band-aid now, and then you can just move on with your life and make new friends, because you will. Yes. Like said, if, you're, if you're at a new job, if you're travelling, if you're joining a gym all of these things you're going to be surrounded by people constantly and then sometimes not going to be the same age as you some of my friends are all four or five years younger and I get on with them so well I have the mindset of a 21 year old so that's fine and I have the opposite where most of my friends are like 35 (laughs) (laughs) do you find yourself wanting to grow up with them because I find myself to go down I'm like make it stop Peter Pan where are you <laughs> I have a real issue at the moment where my best friend um is like properly settling down she's just bought a house she's trying for a baby mm. um and James and I um are like looking at them being like oh my god we want what they have and I'm like James James we're 10 years younger it's okay we can slow down it's fine we, we'll get there we don't have to have it right now <laughs> this is the thing when you're influenced by people who are so close in your network who are slightly ahead in in life it makes you start to think oh god we need to play catch up and i know just sit down and chill it's okay you don't <laughs> need to rush it <laughs> yeah. we've covered a lot of topics here we've covered we growing up childhood friendships moving traveling adult friendships breakups how to navigate them yeah oh Whew. But yeah, I just think, I just want to reiterate the point that, like, if you're growing and somebody isn't enjoying your growth, then that's their problem. Mm-hmm. It's true. And as much as I hate to say that my mum is right, it's often out of jealousy. And I'm just going to put that oh. 
I know my mum says that all the time and I'm like mum you, you, you don't have to say that but thank you I know I'm like slightly <laughs> biased but okay <laughs> I'll take it I'll take it <laughs> whatever you say yeah my ego is definitely wounded so whatever you say to me right now perfect <laughs> yeah exactly I think that's a really important point to end on that there's sometimes nothing that you can do and mm. that doesn't mean that you're a bad person mm-hmm. if you do think that you have some work to do Ooh. and there is an element where of truth in what someone has said about you take a step back because that's Ooh. what we've both done Ilsa and I we have you know we spoke to each other I said Ilsa I'm gonna give you a hot second to say if any of these statements you agree with and if you do I will work on that <laughs> because at least then I have that value from someone that I trust rather yeah. than someone who just wanted to sabotage me not bitter don't think about this person ever <laughs> the thing is I actually don't that's another thing yeah at the time it's one of the hardest things well I would say one of the hardest things that you go through and it is a bit debilitating I remember feeling so anxious everything provoked me and yeah I just felt like a bad person and now I've replaced that hurt and upset with things that do make me happy and I'm sure that's mm. you you learn how to love adapt. yourself how to adapt exactly and you don't really think about these people anymore you don't think about the hurt because like like we said you just don't hold a grudge you allow it to happen and the more energy you put into trying to save that relationship or trying to rewind the clock <laughs> the more tired you're just gonna get and I don't have enough Botox in the world for that so (laughs) it's okay to let go yes it's always okay to let go I love that Ilsa thank you so much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for having me just loved it where can the listeners follow you find you is there anything that you want to add before we leave um i don't think i think we covered everything but um if anybody wants to connect and be my friend um <laughs> you can find me on ij creative underscore on instagram uh or ilsa jones on linkedin or ilsa jones on instagram as well i've got many instagrams so <laughs> just type in ilsa jones and one of them will come up <laughs> oh, and she is an absolute vibe to follow guys if anyone likes astrology related things yeah that's just a little nugget we're finally out of mercury retrograde so hopefully this recording will actually uh work (laughs) fingers crossed and thank you everyone for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode please give us a cheeky five star rating just to let us know that you absolutely loved it 